0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today, Brandon Williams shares part three of the series, Indicator. In this message, Brandon looks at the condition of our heart in regards to giving. Money is always a hot-button issue for many people, as it is something that is very close to people's heart. Listen as we examine what the Bible says about giving and how it is an opportunity, not an obligation. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Good? We established the fact last week that all of us old people are really bitter about the fact that you young people had a week off um, from school, but we see that most of you are back and glad to have you, glad you made it back safely. But uh, anyway, we are glad you're here. Um, we're excited about things going on here at the church and what God's doing and just the opportunities we have to elevate him and, and just to see all the stuff he's doing. In the next uh, few weeks, you're going to continue to hear about this Elevate um, transition that we're making. Where we're going over to Statesboro High School, April 17th at 1045, Um and yeah, it's just, just like a mile that way. So um, come join us. It's going to be awesome. Listen, if you can bear with us until April 17th, we'll have more seats. It'll be a good thing, right? So you guys come and check that out. It'll be awesome. You can bring your friends and they can hear about Jesus and uh, he can change their life um, and it'll be good. So anyway, that's going on. on um, that day also, we're going to have dinner So, on that first Sunday. So sign up to bring something. If you want to wanna do that, come come sign up and bring a salad or um, I told them earlier, like, I'd be fine with meat and dessert would be fine with me, but we'll provide meat and we'll provide drinks, but you guys can bring vegetables, salads, those kind of things, and we'll actually eat it at the high school after the service. They so just want to have a big celebration. Also, next Sunday on April the 3rd, we are having um, our Elevate Offering just ask you to pray about what God would give as we make this transition. There are some expenses we've incurred and some things, but we really believe this is where God's leading us and where God guides, He provides, so we're just going to trust Him in that. And I'm um, asking you to be a part of that, just another opportunity. Um, if you, as you came in, you probably saw some tables out front. There's some tables there for you to be able to figure out exactly where you want to serve in the church as a connector, to be a part of the vision that God's doing or giving us to, to do. And i um, love for you to get involved somewhere, whether it's with children or greeting or youth or, or whatever it might be. Love for you to, to get involved. So take, take a moment as you leave today, check those out, and it'll be, uh, be something that, where you can get involved and you can begin to serve. Um, we're going to take up that offering next week. We're going to give 15% of that to Japan, um, to a ministry called um, Churches Helping Churches. And I think that's important. We always want to give back from what God's given us. And so we're never going to ask us to do something that we don't do ourselves. And so we're going to try to bless those churches over there so that they can rebuild um, their lives but also help others rebuild theirs so i'll just be praying about that and what what god would have you to do as a part of that um let's see i think that's it today we got an awesome topic to talk about right you are going you, you i know if you heard what john said in the announcements you're gonna be so pumped but today we're talking about money not awesome yeah, yeah, I know y'all are excited. You walk in church and he says, you know, the preacher says, hey, we're going to talk about money. Everybody's like, "Woohoo! Get, talk about my money. Now that's a sensitive subject, isn't it? But you know, we're in this series called Indicator, and Jesus tells us in Scripture that money would be the number one um, competitor for our heart. The number one competitor for our heart. And so we need to look at this, right? We need to begin to, to look at, at what that means to us and, and, and to see, does Jesus have my heart or is it in my wallet, right? And so we're going to begin looking at this. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about all these things. And guess what? It's going to be encouraging. You're going to walk out of here encouraged because you're going to realize how blessed you are and what an awesome opportunity it is to be able to bless others and bless God. So if you just shut me down when I said money, come back to the room. Come back and listen to what we're going to tell you because we are excited. I almost didn't preach this message this week because we are taking up the offering next week. And about Thursday, it hit me. I'm like, they're going to think we're preaching on money because we want a big offering. I was like, hmm. And so I just told two people that morning, I said, um, not preaching on money this week, not preaching on giving. And they're like, why? I like, I don't want to muddy the water. I always want to be transparent. I want it to look like we're just preaching on money to get money. And so they're like, okay, but you might want to pray about that. Well, I walked into the church that morning, and, I, and Brian Bulmer, who's our director of discipleship and mission, very wise guy, um, not in a bad way, but he's wise, like in a good way, not like a wise guy, like a three, one of the three stooges, but, but like a wise guy, like he has a lot of wisdom. And he said, well, Brandon, that's one way to look at it, um, but you could also look at it as maybe God put it on your heart to preach on giving because next week they're going to have an opportunity and God doesn't want them to miss the opportunity. I was like, touche. You know, you know what? I was like, okay, cool. And so I pray. I just really feel like this is the message for today and, and I really believe it's going to be encouraging I believe God's going to challenge us as we look at our heart and we see what the Bible tells us about money, about giving. And so I'm going to read to you a very encouraging scripture. This will have you pumped. We could read the scripture and you probably walk out of here and, and just be like, man, God is awesome. And so but we're going to read James chapter 5. Turn to James chapter 5. I will say this. It's going to be a lot different today. Um, if you've been here before, it's going to be a lot different probably than when you've been here before. If you've never been here and you like it today, come back next week. Hopefully you'll like it more. Um, if you come today and you, and you don't like it, come back next week and, and maybe it'll be different. But um, it is it's going to be a little bit different today. So I want to read this to you, though. These are the most encouraging scriptures, I think, in, in the Bible. So James chapter 5, verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and well because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that awesome? Like, like they're just going to eat my flesh like fire. I'm like, woohoo, yeah. And so, let's keep reading. It gets better. Um, You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived in, on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. Well, let's pray. God, um, I just thank you for your gift of Jesus. I thank you, God, that uh, not only do you love us, but you also um, took the wrath that was due us upon yourself so that we wouldn't have to endure it. And God, I just thank you for that. Father, I pray um, that today, just as your word says, God, that your word is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and training. God, I pray that today we would be taught. Today, God, if we need rebuking, we'd be rebuked. And that today, God, we'd be trained to do everything, um, Lord, that you would have for us to do. Uh, My prayer, Father, is that as we leave this place today, we would be able to truly say that you have our heart and that there's nothing, no idol that's come between us and you. Lord, we love you and thank you. Thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you like to work out sometimes? You like to work out a little bit? A little bit. If you're like me, it's a little bit, right? I like to work out and it's not very good at it. And if it wasn't so hard, I'd like it a lot more. Um, But I think that's kind of the point. And so, but I do, I work out some. And the thing is, I work out with a guy who's stronger than I am. Okay, he's a um, personal trainer at the gym I go to, and I saw somebody in there the other day, and they were like, hey, man, you got a personal trainer. That church must be paying you good. I said, wait, let me, let me clear up something for you. It's a personal trainer when you pay them. It is a workout partner when you don't. I have a workout partner, right? So he, we work out together, and it's always funny because he always puts more weight than I can do on the bar. And, and, and one of the, the, the exercises I hate the most is bench press. Because you're pretty much at the mercy of the weight and your spotter, right? And so there's always more weight than I can do. And so he's doing like 10, 12 reps. I get on like two and I'm like, you know, veins popping out of my head, out of my neck, about to pass out. And he's like doing curls and I finally get at the top and he's like, two more, man, two more. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And you're just curling it. And, so I'm, and, and you know, and I don't like, I'm thinking if I don't pick this up, if he like decides he wants to drink a water, I'm going to die. Because of the weight and the pressure that's going to come back down on me. And you know the funny thing is that is a miserable feeling when you're trying to keep that, that weight off of you. But what I see in, in people and in Christians as much as people who aren't Christians is the weight of financial pressure. We're all, we're, we are all struggling. It seems like people today typically are struggling with the weight of financial pressures. And it's so much so that what ends up happening in our lives is we have to put so much focus on finances that it ends up taking our heart away from where? God. And it's so cool to me that that God sets up a system so that you and I can be his blessed children, but we also never forget where the blessing came from. Isn't that awesome? That God loves us so much he wants to do that for us. One thing we need to realize is God wants us to live in freedom. He doesn't want us to live in bondage to anything. He wants us to live live as free children under his... Jesus came to preach liberty to the captives, right? To set the captives free. He doesn't want us in bondage to finances. He doesn't want us in bondage to money. And I believe that's why more than half of his parables dealt with money. He knew very clearly that money would be the number one competitor for our hearts. He knew very clearly. And see, this is the thing, because, man... I'm just. This just ticks me off because this happened in both services this morning. I'm talking about the number one competitor for your heart, and some of you are already sleeping. That p- might be the first indicator. The number one competitor for our hearts, that if something takes our heart away from God, most likely it's going to be money or materialism. Pretty important, isn't it? And remember, this whole series is based off of things that we can look at in Scripture that point to something that's wrong within our heart. Here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus came to change our heart. So that if something's wrong, we don't throw up our hands in despair and walk away. If something's wrong, we come to Christ, the one who can change our heart and give us a new spirit so that we can begin to live the way God wants us to live so that we can walk in the blessings that God wants us to walk in, so we can be rich towards God, which will lead to eternal blessings, and not rich towards this world that is going to fade one day. Let me ask you this. If you were able to to walk into a a stockbroker's office, and you walked in and he says, I got an awesome, awesome stock. You got to put your money in this. He said, it's going to give you 100% return. Would you do it? Yeah. But what if he said... The only problem is, tomorrow you'll get 100% return, but the next day, it's all going to disappear. He wants to do that then. You're like, well, I'd do it and, and I'd sell it on the first day after I got 100%. No, not, that doesn't work that way, right? That's not an option. It'll all be gone. Well, let me tell you what, one day, one day is your life in light of eternity. One day is, is my life in light of eternity. Am I going to invest my life into something that's going to last or am I going to invest my life into something that is going to be here today and gone tomorrow? Life is short, guys. What do we invest in our money in? What do we invest in our time in? Does God truly have our heart? One way you can tell is look at your checkbook. That'll tell you a lot about where your heart is. My heart's been at Bass Pro Shops sometimes, right? (laughs) Or Lowe's. But you can look at that, man, listen... The Bible says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. I don't believe that it means that your heart's going to follow the treasure. I just think it means when you find one, you find the other. So where's our heart? Where's our heart? Where is it? Because God wants it. Aren't you glad we just sang a song about God being jealous for us? Aren't you glad we have a God that is jealous for us and doesn't want anything else to take the place of him in our life? Isn't that awesome? That's good. Let's look at James chapter 5. Because God wants us to be free, and and I just want to share what I believe the Word of God teaches about finances and about how we live free from this uh, oppression of materialism and money. Verse 1 says this, now listen, you rich people, and we're going to stop right there, stop right there. Who's rich? Who's rich? We are. How many of y'all like coffee? You might like coffee, Got a bunch of college, I know y'all drink some coffee, Right? (laughs) I love coffee. In fact, I love coffee so much that sometimes I I really have to be careful how much I drink. Because I'll be like this, man. I'll just be like, because I love to drink coffee. My eyes all bugging out. You see those people sometimes. You walk in their office about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they're just like. (laughs) And they won't shut up, and you're like, dang, he's had some caffeine this morning. Right? I can be like that, man. Where I drank I so much coffee one time that it started giving me headaches. I were ready to do MRIs and all this stuff. The problem was I was drinking so much coffee, it was about to kill me. But I love coffee. How many of y'all like Dunkin' Donuts coffee? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That stuff is awesome. That's like Christian crack right there, I'm telling you. <laughs> it is addictive. I mean, I love it. And here's the deal. If you go and you don't get it with cream and sugar, you're wasting your time. Because the cream and sugar makes it, oh, man, it makes it so good. I know it's not good for you, but that just means I'll see Jesus before you do. So it's all good. I'm going to drink my coffee with cream and sugar. I'm just telling you. But anybody, in the first service, we had people who actually knew this. Because I know this because I, I probably buy a medium cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts at least two, three, four times a week, right? So how much does a medium cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts cost? Anybody know? Two dollars. Two dollars even, so you don't go for the small. You don't because you can just give them a two dollar bill and you're like, "Cool, man." And I've always, do I tip them? I've been, trying, I'm like, try to figure. Do I tip? I don't know. But two dollars, a cup of coffee is two dollars. A medium cup of coffee, that liquid gold, is two dollars at Dunkin' Donuts. You know what the average person in the world makes in a day? Or what they live off of in a day? Less than two dollars. I'm spending. Two, three, four times a week on a cup of coffee, what most people live off of every day. We looked up some statistics this week and found out that if you make $30,000 a year in this country, the equivalent of that that, that all around the world, that puts you in the top 7.16% of earnings out of everybody in the world. So if you make more than $30,000 a year, you're in the top 7.16% of money earners in the world. That means you're like like Bill Gates or something. I mean, you're like, bam, you're rich. You are rich. If you make $5,000 a year, so college students, some of y'all, y'all a bunch of y'all probably make $5,000 a year. You are in the top 14.39% of money earners in the, in the world. $5,000 a year. I just, and here's the deal. I'm telling you that to tell you this. We're rich. We are rich rich and I don't tell you that to guilt you I tell you that because I want you to see how blessed you really are we live in a blessed country we are blessed people and by materialistic standards we are rich the problem is for us so many times what God gives us as a blessing we begin to allow to become a curse don't we what God gives us to bless us because we're not willing to give back to Him, because we're not willing to be good stewards of our money, ultimately, it becomes a curse in our lives so that what God intended for our good, we end up making it something bad. And that's why Jesus spoke so much about money is because the deal was, listen, he knew that because God loves his children, his God was going to pour out blessing, but he also knew that there was a danger in that, that there at some point it could become our idol. It could become our God. And we wonder why so many times we feel the pressure of material. It's because we worship it. It's because the dollar has more significance in our life than God does. It's because that's where we've placed our security. It's in what we can earn and what we can make. And so the devil is laughing his butt off because we are like hamsters on a wheel trying to run faster and faster and we're not getting anywhere. We're just on this wheel. We're just running. We're digging. We're digging. And what happens if you keep digging? You can't dig yourself out of a hole, can you? If the more you dig, the deeper you go. And I guarantee you, college students and non-college students alike... In here today are people who are constantly digging themselves into a hole. And you don't have to raise your hand for this, but call this Anybody got any credit card debt? Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? We just swipe it and go. Yeah, we can dig a hole. God doesn't want that for us. He's given us blessings so that we can use it as leverage. God has given us so much. The great news is God has given us a. a he has blessed us incredibly. The problem with it is, when we're given a lot, what does God expect? A lot in return. we got a lot of responsibility with what God's given us. We, we need to realize that, that God has blessed us. We are rich. But are we rich towards God? Listen to this next verse. Finish reading verse, or actually I'll read verse 1 again. and Just because it's so encouraging. Now listen, you rich people. Weeping well because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. He says, weeping well, why? Because of the misery that's coming upon you. I want to tell you something. This is something, and you might want to write this down. The lie of materialism is that it only costs what's on the price tag. The lie of materialism is that it only costs what's on the price tag. What's the number one reason for divorce in the United States, other than people falling away from God? finances do you really think it just costs what's on the price tag how about this how many of you you can get so in a knot about finances that when you walk in the door at night if you have children and, and they're coming out like dad let's throw the ball and you're like what do you want from me son i don't have any more to give right you just flip out they're like oh, i don't know dad is one. It, it affects everything it affects everything i believe that's why in first timothy six ten it says this it says this for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, not just one evil. Listen, and it leads to all kinds of griefs. See, here's the thing that's not true: money is not evil. We are. Money's not the problem; it's us. And so that's why we need Jesus to change our hearts so that we don't end up serving money instead of serving God. And here's another lie that money can't make you happy. Right? Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Money can't make you happy. You know what that means? They don't have any. <laughs> that's what that means. Because have you ever gotten some happiness from money? I went on a trip to Cancun on my honeymoon. That brought me some happiness. It was I had a good time. You know, I'll go play golf. I'll spend some money playing. That brings me some happiness. There's a lot of things in life you can spend money on. It brings you happy. If if money's not bringing you happiness, it's because you don't spend it right. (laughs) Here's the problem with money. It can't sustain happiness. Hence the hamster wheel, right? The guinea pig. We're running and running and running because we're always chasing that next thing that's going to make us happy. Isn't that amazing how we'll do that? We will run all of our life to try to catch happiness, and God's going, if you just start running and look up, I'll give it to you. Isn't that crazy how we do that, how we we run after happiness? We always run after it. Listen to to Matthew chapter. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture today, which is good. Um, Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read this to you real quick. Verse 3 in Matthew 13 says, Then he told many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Then verse 18, listen now, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now listen to verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. What does he say chokes out the life of God? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. I remember I was, I was at Georgia Southern, and, and we were on a bus coming back from somewhere um, from a ball game. And me and this guy kind of started having words. And, of course, I mean, I was right. He was wrong. But but we started having words, and, and he... Uh, he sneaks up behind me. We're about to get off the bus to go eat. And he wraps his arm, which was a big arm, by the way, around my neck and begins to choke me. And I was at that point where I was like, okay, Lord, unto you, I commit myself. I mean, I thought I was going to die, right? I thought that was the end. And, and I mean, it's like you start to black out and you're kind of like, like the wrestling thing where they pick up your arm and you can't hold it. You know? and, and I really thought this is it. And, and he choked, I mean, literally about choked the life out of me. Finally, he let me go and... and I didn't really want any more of that, so I moved on. But here's the thing that would have been crazy. What if I had turned around and said, Hey, man, I really like the way your bicep feels around my throat. Could you do that again? That was awesome. Will you, would, could you possibly do that for me one more time? Because I love the feeling that, that I'm about to die. I love that. Could you do that for me one more time? That wouldn't happen, would it? So why is it that God offers us a way out of financial pressure... Out of the very thing that is choking the life out of us. That's choking the life of God out of us. That's making us unfruitful. Why is it that he offers this to, it, to us and we ignore it? Why? Because of the deceitfulness of wealth. It's because our heart is so attached to, to the wealth of, of, that, that we feel like it's promising us something. Listen to verses 3 and 4 out of the book of James. Verses 3 and 4. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat, eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. I believe another thing that we buy into that we don't realize is that we'll be held accountable for how we steward what God's given us we will be held accountable for what God has given us and how we steward what he's given us. And I think we forget that. I think, I think we, we forget that if we're not using our money for what God, um, his purposes, then it's really we're taking the blessing of God and making it useless. You ever notice how he talks about in here how things how it, it corrodes? Well, you know what? Gold doesn't corrode, right? If you got some fake gold, it'll turn you green. But gold doesn't it it doesn't corrode It, it. It doesn't what he's saying is if it's not being used in the right way Then it becomes useless. It's not accomplishing the purpose for which god intended it The one thing I want you to hear right now is this everything god has given you is intended for his purpose It is fully within god's rights to require everything that he's given you. It all belongs to him None of it is yours None of it is mine. And when we don't allow God to have what he's given us, it, it, isn't that crazy to say, can I have what you've given me? Or can, can I have You, I mean, he's given it to us. He saying this is mine anyway. And we're going, I ain't giving you that. You know? And, and, and here's the thing about it. We, when we say that, we are taking what God had blessed us with for us to be blessings to others, and we're saying, you know what, God, I, I appreciate it, but I'm just going to render this useless for your kingdom. One day we're going to have to give account for that. And see, I understand this whole corrosion thought because the one thing I've seen with my children, they love tools and they love to build and they also love to leave my tools out in the rain. I'll go out there and find tools. I mean, there'll be tools scattered all across the backyard. And, and, and then they'll come up to me and they'll have the nerve to, me to, to come up to me and say this, Daddy, you need to pick up your tools. I will slap the taste out of your mouth. You better back up, son. I mean, and and they will, you need to pick, I'm like, you put that out here. And you know what's funny is I'll go out there and find a pair of needle nose pliers or something, and I'll try to open them, and they look like they've been sitting on the bottom of the ocean for about a year and a half. I mean, they're rusted up, you can't even open them. I mean, they're just useless. And when things are put in places that they weren't intended to be, when tools are left out in the rain, they're left out in the yard where they weren't intended to be, they get corroded, and they become useless. When we take our money and we don't put it in the place and steward it the way that God intends for us to steward that money and those gifts and those blessings, what do they become? Useless. They're no longer any good. God has blessed us. He's given us things for the, His glory. Everything we have is for the glory of God. One thing we love to do, man, we love to sing us some songs about God's love, don't we? We love to sing some songs about God. We love to sing songs about God's grace and forgiveness, don't we? We don't ever sing songs like, I'm a sinner, do it. I don't know why I just did that. <laughs> we really don't. We, but we don't, like, we don't like to talk about that. that like, we don't sing songs about, I deserve God's wrath, right? We don't sing that. And the thing I want you to understand, listen, God doesn't hate rich people. God hates greed. And the image of God that we love is like Jesus taking the little lamb and like cuddling with the lamb and holding the lamb. And we love that. What we don't like is the image of Jesus coming back one day with a big sword sticking out of his mouth, wearing a blood-stained robe because he hates sin. We don't like that image. But God hates sin. Greed is a sin. Jesus died to save us from our sin, not only so that we could be saved from our sin, but so that we could be sanctified from our sin and live a life that shows that God is real, that the reality of God is He can change my heart so that I live a different life. That is why money is an indicator. We don't serve money like the rest of the world. Money serves the kingdom of God. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We we don't get this whole thing about that God still hates sin. I mean, just because Jesus died doesn't mean he doesn't hate sin, right? He still hates sin. That's why Jesus did die. It's so that you and I wouldn't have to come under God's wrath, but through faith in Christ, we're given righteousness and spared from the wrath that God had for us. That's the good news. It's it's the cross of Christ. It's the righteous being, or the righteous way of righteousness and the unrighteous. So listen to this, verse 9 in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. So he's saying that that these people, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because God hates sin. And we love that verse, don't we? We love that verse. People say all the time, we need to get the homosexuals out of the church. Yeah, preacher, we need to get the homosexuals out of the church. We need to get the adulterers out of the church. Yeah, preacher, we need to get the adulterers out of the church. We've got to get them out. We've got to purify the church. We need to prune them. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, we love that, don't we? Get them adulterers, them sexually immoral, them fornicators. Get them out of here. We love that. We love those verses. But then listen to what it says. Nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I think he just lumped all of us in one big pot. I really do. And the truth is God hates sin. Did he really just say that greed's the same as homosexuality? We ought not be so judgmental, should we? Because I can tell you this, about 1.7% of Christians in the United States actually give anything to the church or tithe to the church. So there's a lot of greedy Christians. That's an indicator of our heart. You know, actually in the United States, I saw this statistic the other day 1.7% of the people in the United States actually tithe that say they're Christians. In the world, 1.8% actually tithe. That means the poorer countries are giving more than we are. Isn't that crazy? And we do that. And so here's the deal, guys. He's saying, listen, Greece is sin just like everything else. But here's the good news. I want you to hear this. He says, and, is, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Listen to that. The good news is this. That is what we were. But Jesus washed us in his blood. He made us clean. He made us spotless. It says he sanctified us, set us apart for good works. Began to not only give us righteousness, but also work that righteousness out in us. And he said, you've been justified. Just as if you've never sinned, God has, has taken your sin, and he's separated it from you as far as the east is from the west. And I look at what God has given, how generous he's been, and my thought becomes, how can I hold back what's already his from him in light of what he's given me? I mean, in view of his mercy, shouldn't we offer ourselves as living sacrifices? That's what the Bible says. Come on, guys. He gave everything to us. He's blessed us in ways... That we can't imagine, and the one thing I want you to hear out of this is: look, we've we we all ended up in that pot together, all sin and fallen short. We've all heard that scripture, but here's the good news: through Jesus, we're better than that. We don't have to live like that. Jesus died to set us free from that, and when He begins to have our heart, and He becomes truly the Lord of our lives—not just the one that we want to forgive our sins—but He becomes the Lord of our lives. Then our life begins to be shaped. To be like his, I would say Jesus was pretty generous, and so he, we begin to be more like him. It's an awesome opportunity. I would say this too: it's, it's not about two, two. It's not about how much money you have; it's about who it actually belongs to. It's not about how much money you have; it's 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 who it really belongs to, because it is perfectly within God's right to ask for all of it. Y'all remember uh, the rich, the little rich young ruler guy? What did Jesus tell him to sell? Everything. Oh, man, that's fun. How about Zacchaeus? That cost that brother more than 10%. It's fully within God's right to ask us. So here's a question. How are we doing stewarding God's money? How are we doing stewarding all the blessing that God has put in our life? And, and why aren't we good stewards of God's money? I want to talk to you about that real quick got about 15 minutes. I want to talk to you real quick about why I believe we aren't good stewards of God's money. The first one is this, very simply, that we love our money more than we love God. I mean, really, and truthfully, we do. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, we love our money more than we... We love impulse buying, don't we? I mean, I, yeah, there's like times you're in a store and you see something you want, and you don't pray about that, do you? You're like, yeah, I need that. Right? And so there's so many times in life where we love our money more than we love God. And what did Jesus say about that? He said, listen, you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and, and hate the other. You can't serve them both. And so when we look at where our money is going, if, it, if it's not serving the kingdom, we need to look into our heart and see, does, does Jesus have my heart or, or am I truly carrying it around in my wallet? The great thing about giving and about tithing is this. It cuts the string that goes from your heart to your wallet. Because I can tell you, most people, when they pull their wallet out of their back pocket, it jerks their head down between their legs. Because there's a string that runs straight from their wallet right to their heart. So it's like, well. You're like, I don't understand why that happened. It's because there's a string that runs from your wallet to your heart. And God says, listen, if you will remember the one who's given all this to you, I'll cut that string, and you'll no longer be a slave to materialism. God wants us to be free. Jesus died so we could be free. Why? Listen, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Why would you make yourself a slave to anything? But we do by the choices that we make. The second reason is this. um, Simply put, ignorance. I I believe, you you know, if I walked up to you and I said, you're ignorant. You'd take offense, wouldn't you? If I walked up and I was like, hey man, you, you are ignorant. You're the most ignorant person I've ever known. You'd be like, uh-uh. You would want to punch me in the face? I mean, you would not like that. And don't say I would turn that. No, you wouldn't. You'd be mad. You would be mad because I called you ignorant. So we don't like to be ignorant until it gets us out of something. Right? Then we love ignorance. Think about a child that colors on the wall. If I walk in and I say, Son, why are you coloring on the living room wall? I didn't know. So it was a good idea for you to color on the wall. Or how or or he hits, like if my oldest son hits his younger brother. Hits him. I'm like, son, why did you hit him? I didn't know. I've only told you a thousand times not to hit your brother. I didn't know. How about this? How many of you have ever gotten pulled over by the police? You get real stupid right then, don't you? You get real stupid. Because he comes up and he's like, "Um, Son, do you know how fast you are (laughs) going? I got no idea. 35? You were going 75 miles an hour. (sighs) We love to plead ignorant when it benefits us. But, but if somebody were to tell us we were ignorant, and we, we'd want to fight them. We want to, we want to fight back. But the truth is, I, I do believe that in many ways, we're just ignorant about what the Bible says about giving. And we, if we're not, then we love to plead ignorance. So I believe that there's two things that, that we can look at in ignorance. is One, we really are ignorant of what the Bible teaches about giving. Or two, we're just disobedient. But either way, maybe we're pleading ignorant. And so the thing we've got to realize is that God has set up giving so that he's such an awesome God, he wants to bless us, but he set it up so that we would never worship the blessing more than the one who has blessed us. We, he, he doesn't want it. Listen, he, he set it up so we would never worship the blessing more than the blesser. That's why he comes with the tithe and with the the principle of the firstborn and the principle of the first fruits, And we're going to look at all that. Because he knew if they will always give back to me what they get first, they'll always look to the blesser. And the greatest thing about the tithe and giving and generosity is that it always keeps you looking back to God. Isn't it awesome that we have a God whose desire is to bless us? And that he says, but I want to bless them so much, there's got to be a way for them not to ever start worshiping the blessing. And so he gives us an opportunity to give. He gives us an opportunity to tithe. And he sets up this principle of tithing and of the firstborn and of firstfruits. And I want to read this to you. This is really, really cool stuff. I mean, this is in the Old Testament. But God's showing us why, why we do this. And so in Exodus chapter 13, I'll read three verses to you. The first one's verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belong to me, whether man or animal. Then over in verse 12, You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All, of, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? Like, break its. Like how do you even break a donkey's neck? I mean, what, you got a machine for that? I don't understand... But he says, break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now look over in uh, Exodus 23, verse um see, verse 19. He says, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. What do you what do you see in that? He's saying, Bring the firstborn. The firstborn is a sacrifice to me. He's saying, The first fruits come to my house. Bring the first fruits to my house. God set it up from the beginning of time that we would always give to him what was first. Let me explain this to you. Why wouldn't he set it up for us to give to him the last 10%? How much faith does it really take to give God the last 2, 5, 10, 15, 20%? How much faith does that take? You get to the end of the month and go, hmm, well, I got 2% left over. I'll give that to God. He set it up that way so we would trust him. He set it up that way so that we could prove that that we trust him. I'll tell you this, money is the primary way that we acknowledge our trust and and the faithfulness of God. That when we give to him, we give him the first of what we are blessed with so that we are able to begin to show that we trust. It's a test. It is truly a test. Our money is a test. Will we trust him? Will we give him the first? Will we allow it to keep our eyes focused on him? Are we willing to do that? Here's a cool thing out of chapter 13. It basically says that whenever a clean animal was born, whenever a lamb was born, you would sacrifice that lamb to the Lord. The Lord said, listen, that firstborn, he's going to be sacrificed to me. And this is a cool thing. Think about it. The sheep has the first lamb, right? Is there any guarantee she's ever going to have another one? What's it make them do? Make makes them trust. When you take the first portion of your crops to the Lord, does it guarantee that the field's going to yield any more? No. What's it make you do? It makes you trust. And the awesome thing about God's word is he says over and over and over and over and over again that if you will trust me with what's first, I'll bless you with the rest. That is awesome. That is awesome. And... and. and He wants to set us free from finances. It says that the first one that would come out, the first lamb, the first animal that was born, basically the clean animal, it was to be sacrificed to the Lord because it was clean. But when it came to a donkey or some type of unclean animal, he says you've got to sacrifice a lamb, a spotless lamb, in order to to redeem that unclean animal. Otherwise, if you don't want to redeem the unclean animal, this is your other option. You can break its neck. Y'all see the gospel in that anywhere? Think about this. God had two choices because are we clean or unclean? We are unclean. We we have sinned and we have fallen short of God's grace. But he has made us clean. What was God's two options? Redeem us or break our neck? I'm glad he chose redeem, right? I mean, isn't that a good God? He could have just said, pfft broke our neck and yet he says no i'm gonna redeem you And what did he send remember john 1 i think it's verse 19 what did john the baptist say when he saw jesus behold the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world that's incredible that god sent the spotless lamb to redeem us rather than breaking our neck because we're unclean that's a good god he didn't have to do that and in a very real way, Jesus was God's tithe to us. He gave us his first. He gave us his best. He gave us his only. One of the other misconceptions I hear about the tithe is that it's Old Testament. You ever hear people say that? Well, I give under grace. I don't give under the law. We were freed from the law, so I don't have to give according to the law anymore. That's when you go, ignorant. Hey, I don't give according to the law. I give it. Well, you know, that's awesome because show me one place where Jesus lowered the standard in the New Testament. Right? What do you say about, about hating or about murder? He said, if you hate somebody, you're, you're guilty of murder. What do you say about adultery? If you look lustfully at someone, you, you commit adultery. He didn't lower the standard. He raised it. So when people say, man, I'm a grace giver, I'm like, that is awesome. Because the good news about being a grace giver is you don't have to give 10%. You can give 20. You can give 30. You can give 40. Because I believe in view of the mercy that God's given us, that that we are at a place where where the the 10% ought to be the floor. It ought not be the ceiling. In light of what God's done for us, how can we withhold from Him? And it is incredible to think about what God's done. And then to think about how easy it is for me to want to hold back from God. Another misconception is, is where the tithe goes. If you look at Genesis 28, 22, Jacob, Jacob in Genesis 28, even set up a rock and called it the house of God and then said, I'll bring 10% of everything I have to you, Lord. Where does it go? All through Scripture, it goes to God's house. Exodus 23, 19, he says, bring the first fruits to my house. Malachi 3, 6-12, through 12, he says, listen, God says, test me in this. Bring your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you can't contain it. You go into the New Testament because we've got to answer the question about that whole thing because those are Old Testament. Look at Acts 4, 32-36. They sold fields, they sold, sold property, they sold things. Where did they bring it? They brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. They brought it to the church. Now I believe this, I mean, I, I believe that God calls us to bring our ties to the church because the church is the hope of the world. But here's the other thing I believe. I believe there are other people out there who are also doing ministry that are a part of the body of Christ, that are part of the church, that we also need to support. And this is something that the Lord put on my heart. Nobody had any knowledge of this until today, um, but... We've got a lot of people who serve in parachurch organizations. And right now I'm going to ask them to stand up. If you serve FCA, CCF, and your, your money, your income comes from raising support, right? There are a lot of people out there who are working in ministry who raise support. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. I want to recognize these people who are raising their support. Anybody else? If, you, if, it's, if you're raising support because of that, stand up. Why don't you look around? These guys, I think... Have you, you graduated college? Yeah, you already graduated. Every one of these people have already graduated college. I know the, the guy in the red shirt right here the gray hair. He looks like he probably wouldn't be out of college. But, but he is. He is. I know it's deceiving. Every one of them have graduated college. And they are in a place where they're raising financial support so that they can do what God's called them to do. Listen, we're the body of Christ. We're supposed to support one another. Every one of these people could be making more money than what they're doing right now. I guarantee you. But they have answered a call to do what God has placed on their heart. To go and take the word of God in places that we're not taking it. You know what? I don't think if the church was doing their job, I think they'd probably work for the church. But because we're not, they're doing what they do. And this is the thing that God put on my heart this week. I want you to see them. I want you to see all of these these guys and girls, because we need to support them. And I'm going to ask you to pray. Listen, don't tell me, you're, I'm a college student, I'm poor, I'm broke. Do you drink Starbucks? It's the truth. We had a, we, when we first started taking up offerings, not long after we started the church, we... Uh, we used to get an envelope once a month from a college student that I had not met, a girl that I had not met, and it had her name on there and everything, and it was always full of $1 bills. And I was like, I'd get it, and I'd look at it, and I'd be like, what is she doing to get $1? I'm like, I didn't know where the money was coming from. Turned out she was a waitress, so I was like, whoo, thank God. So I didn't know what kind of people we had coming to the church. But she gave. And you know what? About $150 a month that she was given. We can support these folks. We can give to these people. It is our obligation. And just to say this, we will never ask you to do something we are not willing to do. They had no idea about this when they walked in this morning. But if you're standing and you're working in one of these organizations and and you are not receiving support from Connection Church starting April 1st, you will starting April 1st you will get a check from Connection Church every month to support you in what you're doing because we believe in what you're doing. We believe that we need to support the ministries that God's placed you in and we want to do that. And I'm listening guys, I'm challenging you. Look, look around. It might it might not be much. It might, But you know what? We can support them. We can give to God. We can give to the church. We can give to them. And we can see the gospel expand. Is your money serving the kingdom of God or is it serving you? Is it building the kingdom of God or is it building a shrine to your life? That's what I have to ask. So we're going to support these guys and these girls and we're going to see God do awesome things through them. I believe it with all my heart. Thank you guys. We appreciate all you're doing. The other reason I think is that we don't give, we don't steward our money the way it should be stewarded is because we don't trust church leadership or we don't believe in what the church is doing. All right? You ever heard that? Well, I would give, but I just don't like that preacher. Then why are you going to his church? I mean, seriously. I would, but there's something about that guy I just don't know. I mean, there's something, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about him I just, I just don't know about giving my money. I just, I don't know. Well, why, why are you trusting him with your spiritual life? And the thing I see in that, y'all, is the reason we'll trust somebody with our spiritual life and not with our money is because we place more value on our money than we have our spiritual life. And so do, do you trust the leadership? Do you trust the people here? Do you trust that we're going to use it to expand the kingdom of God? To see other people come and, and to come to know Christ? This a question we need to ask ourselves. The last one is that so many of us can't honor God with our money because we made poor financial decisions in the past and now we're strapped. A lot of people in that boat just made stupid decisions. I mean, listen, well, I'm still paying off some school debt from when I went back and got my master's. I mean, it's, we, we get strapped sometimes. We all end up in debt, man. It's the American dream, right? Debt. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. And so, so we get in that place, and listen, we never want to ask you to do something that we're not willing to equip you to do. So next Sunday, listen, next Sunday... From 5.30 to 7.30, we are having a financial learning experience. Brian Bulmer, our, our pastor of discipleship and missions, is going to be leading that. If for no other reason, come hear his testimony about, about their life. The only reason Brian's able to work at this church is because we can't pay him what he's honestly worth. Be straight up honest about that. We, we're, we're, he, he said, we told him what we could pay. He said, that's cool. I was like, are you sure you can do it? He said, yeah, we, we've been living according to the, the scripture and we can do that. This guy put down 30% on his house. That's pretty awesome. Put down 30%. So we want you to come and learn. Listen, to take practical steps to be able to honor God with your finances. That is next Sunday right here from 530 to 730. I'm going to be here. and, And I hope you'll come. Listen, college students, the best time to get your finances in order is before you have any. Right? Come and learn about this stuff. And, and, and allow, Brian, allow the church to pour into you so that you can begin to honor God with your finances. The last thing. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 in James, and we'll finish this up. It says, You lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. He says, you've murdered and condemned innocent men who are not opposing you. I was reading this the other day, and I was tracking until I got to that point. I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me through that verse? What what are you saying? I mean, we murdered innocent men that didn't oppose us? Okay, how does that apply to us? And what the Lord put in my heart was that we'll do anything to gain riches. Listen, these, these people he's speaking to, they had even killed people to gain riches. And I thought, you know, we'll do anything to gain riches. The question is, what will we do for the kingdom of God? What will we do for the kingdom of God? Are are we more willing to do what it takes, whatever it takes, to gain riches more so than what we're willing to do for the kingdom? It's an indicator of our heart. It's an indicator of where we've placed our heart, where we've placed our trust. Listen, don't live a life that leaves you disappointed because we've placed our trust in materialism. It's an opportunity for us to live for God, to follow His Word and live a life that honors Him and that brings us to freedom. That's our opportunity. I'll leave you with this last question. Was God generous? Was God generous? Yeah. He gave His first, He gave His best, He gave His only. I think God was more than generous. He came, and, and you know, we sing the songs about the love, but listen, God saved us from Himself. That will be like my son doing something disobedient and me giving me a spanking. Right? Which is hard to do. But that's what it would be like. God took His own wrath upon Himself. He was generous. And in light of His mercy, in light of His sacrifice, I think that's our reasonable response. And when we remember that it's so that we can live in freedom and live in relationship with the God who did all that for us and He loves to bless us. And that's an awesome thing. You can't give your way to heaven, but you can keep your heart from being polluted so that heaven lives in you. I think that's what God's calling us to, is freedom. I know that's what he's calling us to, to set us free from financial weight and financial pressure and to honor him with all that he's given us.